1: The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. I want to go first to Dr. Mary Favier, a member of Nefit, of course, talked to a few things in the news this morning with regard to, to Nefit. Uh, among them that they are discussing mandatory vaccinations. But before I get to that, Mary, the um, what you, you said that it's maybe time now to start thinking about lifting the restrictions under which we're currently living. Good morning to you. Good morning. Did you say that? Is that what you believe? That we should actually start lifting some of the restrictions?
0: I, I, what I said was in the context of, of the broadest Omicron surge we are going to have to give it thought as we always do and the the point is we are still in a really large surge yeah. of Omicron and as general practitioners we really see that but it is proving to be a milder illness and uh, now the the earlier figures were all in the in the age 19 to 24, last week we were starting to see it get into the older age groups which is a little bit of a concern, that's to be expected with the, the Christmas mixing and we have to yet see how that plays out, but so far, while there's a rise in hospital admissions, is not proven to go through to the ICU departments mm. and and the need for ventilation and things like that. So while huge figures, not you're know, not so concerning. And inevitably, when when you've got restrictions, it's quite easy to drive into restrictions. It's it's much harder to reverse out of them. Yeah. So we will have to give thought about how to do that. And there's there's real challenges in that because it's so important that we protect our health system. We don't know what's coming down the track. We we could have another difficult variant, but we can start to see how disruptive it is to society to have these restrictions. Mm. And so there's there's another week or ten days to make those sort of decisions when we've all the facts and figures in.
1: Yeah, what what seems encouraging, Mary, I think personally from following this anyway in detail is like we we know now now that the testing system, the PCR testing system, is pretty much overwhelmed. So it's it's it it can't take any more. So if we have twenty thousand cases. Uh, confirmed per day or infections confirmed per day we may take it as a given that there's many more out in the community that we don't know about but as of last evening there's only 83 people in icu so clearly vaccines are working
0: vaccines are extraordinarily successful and, and are doing the job they, they need to do, particularly the boosters and it's a good opportunity to encourage people to get their booster if they can at all and so now we've had a drop in the number of boosters in the last week or two because of the sheer number of people who've had COVID and can't get a booster for three months or are self-isolating because they have somebody at home for boosters but if you're in a position to, to get your booster, yes absolutely and GPs are doing them in the mass vaccine clinics. So vaccines are doing their job. We don't yet have all the figures, but internationally the, it is looking positive, but we've been in bad places before, mm. we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think there is some cause for optimism there and it's really just to ask people to keep doing what they've all been doing for another week or two until it's very clear, mm. and then we, we, we need to change the circumstances.
1: Can I bring up a kind of a, a water cooler conversation, if as it were, Mary, with regard to the booster? I've had my booster, most people that I know have mm. had their booster, but a conversation that, that comes up is along the nature, how many more times have I to stick something in my arm? People are saying three, four, how many more times? Can you address that, that, that concern that some people have?
0: I think it's a reasonable concern. Uh, the The answer is we don't know. We don't know how long booster value lasts. You know, is it is it months? Is it weeks? Do the boosters need to be changed? At the moment, it looks like it's on a three monthly basis. But so there's a huge amount of work to be done to be done on that. And I think it's, it's quite reasonable concern. Can we continue to operate like this? The answer is that at the moment we need to because it is what's making a significant difference. Otherwise, we'd be back to last January when we had a really, really hard lockdown that lasted for the best part of four or five months. So I think we need to, to be happy that it, the vaccines are working, but there isn't an answer yet of, of to how often. Uh, and it, it's an understandable question. I've, I've seen cartoons of people having a flaps in their shoulders pockets so that you can put a vaccine in every three months. It's a joke but it's, a, it's a, an understandable concern but one that is, is a matter of very significant scientific research and and we don't have an answer to yet but they're keeping people safe and that's what we need to deal with today and next week
1: Where do you stand on mandatory vaccinations? We understand that neffert and, and the Department of Health are looking at the prospect of mandatory vaccination for certain cohorts Where do you, Where do you stand on that Mary?
0: The issue of mandatory vaccination has been around for quite a, uh, a while, and so there's various subsets to it. There's a question of would you have it across a population? Would you have it in certain healthcare workers, would, you know, particular essential workers, and even in subsets of healthcare workers? And so there's there's a balance in it. I think as a general principle, mandatory vaccination should be approached with absolute caution, particularly on a societal basis. We've run really done so well. When getting everybody to do it because they've been encouraged, they've got good information, they believe in the process, they've been seen to work. And I don't see any reason why that should change. And and I, I don't think there's any energy to change that. Mm. It's a little different than when you get into the healthcare worker uh, area and people in vulnerable groups. That should our healthcare workers be be vaccinated, and you know, and that be insisted upon before employment or during employment. And should they be redeployed if they're not vaccinated? And some services have looked at that, and that would be an interesting. T- societal debate what do we think in in those circumstances because there's the individual rights of the person to to the privacy of their information with that they're not vaccinated there's their individual your your right to self-determine that they don't have to have a vaccination but then there's the societal rights of if you a vulnerable person in a hospital or a clinical setting that you will be kept safe there and and i'm sure your your read your listeners will have a, a a variety of opinions on that so i think it's always it's it's a it's a balance, it's an issue of proportionality, there are ethical issues in it, and it's one to be discussed, I think, by us all, rather than particularly decided in advance.
1: You could argue, in a way, that the EU is bringing in a sort of mandatory vaccination itself because after the 1st of February, you'll need your booster to travel internationally.
0: Yes, so the, the, the COVID passports are changing on the 1st of February, and so... The basic one and two vaccine shots are no longer going to be accepted. You will have to have your your booster shot to to be able to travel and to be able to use services. And they're all being updated, you know, uh, th- last week and this week. And you know, people will see that they're, they're getting their emails and letters about updating of the vaccines, the booster vaccines, which is very welcome. Yes. So effectively, there are some restrictions, uh, but we're, you know, they're not including people's right to employment or how they express that right. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, a a substantial discussion to take place. And again, it's always a question of proportionality. It depends on how significant the illness is, how common it is in, the, in society. So you could see that has even changed in the last number of weeks. If Omicron isn't as severe, um, or it passes through the surge, do we need to have a mandatory vaccination? But if it was incredibly severe and there was a huge amount of it, perhaps we do. And there are the debates that need to take place.
1: Lastly, some of the newspapers over the weekend and again this morning would indicate that NEFET isn't always the, the unified body we think it is and that there may be even be some rows in that room.
0: Is that true? I don't think it's ever a unified body in that sense, and I don't think it should be. I think there's always robust discussion. There's there's a lot of, of contributions from all types of you know experts on the group of of every shape and hue, and and variations um, are always going to be there. So there's there's always people arguing for more restrictions. There's argue people uh, people arguing for less. But the most important thing in NEFIT is that a consensus comes out. Every voice is heard, and then there's a consensus across the group. Do, do you vote?
1: If no. something. No?
0: no, no, we really, you know, I, voting is avoided if at all possible. We mm. really just keep talking until decisions can be come to by consensus, and sometimes that takes hours, but we get
1: there. Okay. It's pleasure to have you on the opinion line again, uh, Doctor Mary Favier Cork, GP, and of course member of the National Public Health Emergency Team. Thanks, Mary. Eighteen fifty-seven-one-five-nine-nine-six. Just following, I did it again the first time this week. I promise. 0818 96. eight-one-eight-ninety-six-ninety-six-ninety-six. 96. It'll go into muscle memory eventually. I've written down all around me here. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. On the subject of mandatory vaccinations, what would you think? Should there be certain cohorts of workers, for example, that have to be vaccinated, fully vaccinated, including a booster, to be allowed to go about their daily work? I'm thinking in terms of healthcare workers, guides, soldiers, teachers. Doctors, nurses, um, anyone who basically dealing with vulnerable, dealing with the public, should they have to have a fully up-to-date vaccine program? Is there any way that you would consider mandatory vaccination as right or wrong? Your thoughts are welcome. I, I don't have a view on this. to be quite honest with you. I don't don't have a view because I have all my shots and it doesn't matter to me whether it's mandatory or not. I'll get it Anyway. But let's see. Let me talk to Professor Liam Fanning, Professor of Immunovirology at UCC on a few more of the ongoing issues. And I'll start with that one, Liam, because I think Italy has brought in mandatory vaccination for everybody over 50 and other countries may be looking that way, too. Is there a possibility or how would you feel about it here? Good morning. Good
2: morning, PJ. I suppose what you've got to look at is what are people trying to achieve by mandatory vaccination is the question, right? And uh, the Italians, by going with the over 50s, are trying to mitigate against uh, people in that age category who are more likely to end up with serious complications of COVID-19 infection impacting on the health service. And we know, you know, Italy and Bergamo and the tragedy that that was in 2020. And, um, you know, we have had our own difficulties here with, we say, January 2020 as well and the the, uh, number of deaths that we had in Ireland when we didn't have a vaccine. And now that we have a vaccine, you know, we kind of might forget the kind of unseen benefit of the vaccine is those many thousands of individuals who didn't end up in hospital and those many probably hundreds or maybe, you know, maybe even thousands of individuals who didn't meet their demise because they were vaccinated. You know, so that's the, you know, so it's what you're about trying to prevent, really, with a discussion around mandatory vaccinations. And the other side of it is then, you know, we have about 5% of the population unvaccinated, occupying nearly 50% of the ICU beds. Yeah. So they're the kind of, you know, things that you look at. Uh, and also, I suppose, we're very much aware now, the economic impact of Omicron and close contact, uh, the kind of the ripple effect of that, and, you know, give you an example like if the childcare sector goes down, well, then many other bricks will tumble, and, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of stuff that will be in trouble for the next couple of weeks. If if uh, the childcare sector goes down, that's a slightly different argument. Back to your point, <clears throat> I do think there's a place for mandatory vaccination for particular groups. Mm. Um, you mentioned someone, I just caught the tail end of your, your, your introduction there. You mentioned soldier teachers. And um, uh, mem- members of the yes, yeah, exactly, and you know we we do have a situation where you know hepatitis B is uh, a mandatory vaccination for individuals in the health service. Why? Because it's a vaccine preventable infection. Now the Omicron vaccine, sorry, the COVID nineteen vaccine that we have doesn't prevent infection, but what it's what it does is it shortens the duration with which you are infectious. It has a very large degree of protection against hospitalization and serious outcomes. So, yeah. um, you know, we are in a very particular dilemma with our health service at the moment, you know, north of 900 uh, with COVID in hospital and um, we'll say 40 beds in our ICU occupied by individuals who are unvaccinated. That's Remember again, that's only 5% of the population. So I do think there's a a need for a a very robust discussion as to the merits, the ethics, the legality of making it mandatory. Mm -hmm. um, A, across the population and B, then within particular kind of employment groups or uh, those volunteers that might be dealing with uh, very vulnerable individuals who would have a serious complication maybe if they uh, came across COVID-19. And that's what this is all about, trying to prevent. Yeah. This is about trying to prevent onward transmission, people becoming seriously unwell and people meeting their demise. We, don't, we do not want that. And we have a very effective tool yeah. uh, to do that. And remember, if somebody only starts today, PJ, they'll have to wait three weeks for their second shot. And then we know this is a three-shot vaccine. So, you know, that to, be, to have yeah. the maximum vaccine uh, Protection-based immunity. It'll take you three months.
1: Yeah. Can, can I ask, uh, Liam, your, your, your view on, on on a question that again is like these water cooler conversations or questions that come up at in you know, chats over Christmas? And here's this one: like I thought vaccines were supposed to stop you getting the thing. You're sure, this thing isn't working at all. Why are they? asking us to take a vaccine and should we continue? like here's this one, I can understand a certain amount of breakthrough, this is a listener on the phone but all my family are vaccinated and boosted, we all got COVID over Christmas all were sick, didn't require hospital though, to be blunt I'm disappointed I thought this would be the odd event, I didn't think people would get so sick from the way experts are talking and none of us will be vulnerable or over 50s and there is a certain amount of rumblings out there, sure Jesus they don't work what's the story Liam?
2: Well, yes, and I can, I can you know, uh, see where the, uh, the logic for those kind of questions comes from. But, you know, they do work with regard to kind of shortening the duration of infection. Yeah. They do work with regard to keeping many people out of hospital. <clears throat> Take, for example, the, the example I mentioned earlier on. Hepatitis B vaccine is completely different in that that gives you protection from infection mm. most of the time. There are very few individuals who will always kind of will say challenge and break the rules. But, you know, hepatitis B is a particularly good example of a vaccine that prevents you from very much from getting infected. The, remember, at the outset, the WHO, the standard for, the, for a vaccine to be kind of licensed for use in the human population was one that had an efficacy of about 60 percent, 65 percent. The higher, the better for keeping you out of, uh, keeping you out of well and, and protecting against serious consequences of infection. The bonus was that it would protect you against getting infected. Mm. And what we what we've seen is that you are much less likely to get infected if you have had the third shot, um, compared that to the J and J who got the single shot and aren't boosted at the moment. <clears throat> so they're likely, you know, four, five, six months since their um, shot, they have very little protection. So they're, you know, if you're in that group and you're over fifty, then you know you'd want to seriously consider about getting um, a vaccine. Be quiet. Because it works at protecting you from serious disease. The, the, the Back to your, your your listeners' point about sure. Look, I got infected anyway, and I got the, the three shots, and we all got it. Yeah, but you all probably had a very mild course of infection.
1: Mm, well, so to expect, they say they were quite sick. Um, you know, a lot of people. Liam, I think one some of the observations that I'm seeing is that for someone who's fully vaccinated and in reasonable health, it is a very bad cold or a mild flu that you.
2: Yeah, that, that that seems to be plenty of evidence coming from that and into my own friends um, and family who have had it, um, you know, it was nothing more than a slight inconvenience. And, you know, PJ, this is the beginnings of a conversation about what's going to happen next winter. Yes. It's not so much about now. Now we are in where we are. Yeah. Um, and next winter, you know, we surely have had, will have had nearly three years of this pandemic. We have to have... The national infrastructure, the local infrastructure, and the personal capacity to be able to manage this infection without lockdown. We absolutely have to. Um, because, you know, this vaccine is giving us, uh, you know, it's, it's a bore at this stage for people. is It gives us great protection yes. against serious illness. It's just the sheer amount of it that this we sheer- have this year. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But there will be a kind of a wall of some immunity. Uh, coming into next winter, but yeah. you know, if we need uh, another shot, be it a kind of a slightly different type of vaccine, in other words, a completely different kind altogether, like we'll say some of the inactivated viruses, or some a remodelling of the current one that we're getting, mm. get it out early. You know, don't wait until the mm. flu season, or the, the, what used to be the flu season in October time and pair it with that, because we saw this year the booster campaign started probably about six or eight weeks too late yes. to kind of protect more and more individuals, and you know, standing down the vaccination infrastructure um, will probably cost us more in, in economic terms than actually keeping it going. So that, you know, if we need a fourth shot for those of us or the J&J who have had a booster to a third shot for them, you know, maybe consider having that campaign start july august and before the schools go back so that we have a bit of forward planning we understand the risks we we need to have the learning outcomes we have to have a positive pandemic dividend Mm -hmm. and one of it must be forward planning and protection of the population and hospitals and employment remember there's so many individuals now who are scratching you know distraught at the thought that they might be either closed or about to close you know and i go back to the health the the child care system If, if that if that collapses The ripple effect is very large.
1: Liam, I know that you are under time pressure, but I I, want to put this question to you lastly and briefly. A lot of people also say, do we know what these vaccines will do to our bodies long term? Can we be sure that they're safe to be taking them long term? Can you answer that one briefly?
2: Well, the answer to that one briefly is that we've had these vaccines now in the human population, uh, different kinds of vaccines since last uh, December 12 months. Um, and there have been over nearly 9 billion vaccines given at this stage. So it's, it's, I know it's a short window in terms of kind of, you know, we'll say, OK, well, you know, we don't have 10 years data. We have two years data. And there are no long term signals currently. That doesn't mean that there won't be because the EMA, the CDC, all the global, national, or global and national organizations are keeping an ongoing watching brief for any signals whatsoever and you can be assured that the EMA will not be slow in kind of responding and if there is a flag alerting the population to the flag but at the moment these vaccines with the known caveats associated with them which we're all told when we get the vaccine <coughs> um, are, are safe.
1: Okay listen Liam I'll, I'll leave you go because I know you've got other commitments this morning thanks for being with us and so generous as always with your time that's Professor Liam Fanning Professor of Immunovirology at UCC. Quartz 96 FM. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you drive
0: a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do